We've begun a series over the last couple of weeks in which we're talking about the, some of the things that we've always heard are in the Bible, but they really aren't there. We, we talked two or three weeks, and then uh, we took a little break last week for the uh, deacon ordination. And now I want to resume our series. And matter of fact, um, we're not only going to resume the series, but we're going to extend the series. We're going to go another two or three weeks uh, through this. We're going to go, uh, it's going to take us all the way through the end of September as we look at things that we've always heard are in the Bible, but they're really not. Now, before I even get started this morning, I want everybody to do something for me. Just kind of relax and get comfortable. Everybody take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. All right? Because as soon as I introduce what's not really in the Bible, you're going to immediately think that I'm speaking heresy. Because it's so ingrained in us. Our culture has convinced us that this is a biblical concept that they can hold us accountable to. And I'm going to show you that, there, that this concept is not, although it's partially true, it's not completely biblical, okay? So when we get there, everybody just take a breath and hang on. Let me finish the whole thing, and then we'll see what you think. Would you like to hear your non-Christian friends quote scripture? Here's a surefire way to absolutely make sure that your non-Christian friends quote scripture in your presence. You ready? Here's what you do. You call sin, sin. And what will they do? The Bible says, judge not. And they've just quoted scripture. Here's the thing. While it is partially true, it is not completely biblical to say Christians shouldn't judge. That's not accurate. Look with me at the verse that is the non-Christian's favorite verse of the Bible. Look with me, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. The non-Christian's favorite verse of the Bible, because in their mind that is the one, that is the, the one weapon they have against, that is the one thing they can lob at us that will shut us up and shut us down. You can't tell me I have a sin problem because you can't judge me. Matthew chapter 7, at verse 1, do not judge, lest you be judged. Now the verse seems pretty obvious at first, doesn't it? It's don't judge. Don't look at other people and say what they're doing is wrong. But that interpretation is, is taking it out of context. It's a misapplication, and it is secularism at its worst. Because secularism would lead us to the place that would say, I can do whatever I want to do and nobody can tell me it's wrong. 
As a matter of fact, if you tell me it's wrong, you're doing something wrong because you're judging me. You see the, the, the secular mindset, the secular uh, uh, logic there? I can do whatever I want to do and you can't tell me it's wrong. And if you tell me it's wrong, then you're doing something wrong. You have heard that or seen that or experienced that to some degree, I'm sure. Carry that logic to its extreme, though. What happens when nobody can speak up and say something's wrong? Chaos. Right? I haven't seen it and I don't plan on seeing it, but the movie, oh gosh, the, the title just left me. The movie where they set aside one night every year and there are no laws, Purge. The Purge, set aside one night that year and there are no laws, anybody can do anything they want. Why? If nothing's wrong, if, if, if you can't tell me I'm doing something wrong, then I can do whatever I want. And look at the pain and the chaos that would ensue. So surely there's got to be more to it than just don't judge. The truth is there's a lot more to it than that. The people who love to throw this verse around are the very same people who love to accuse the church of hypocrisy. Now let me play with that for just a minute. Follow me here because this gets fun. Think about it. If you judge me for judging you, then doesn't that make you the hypocrite? Hypocrisy is believing one thing and doing the opposite. So if you think it's wrong to judge, who are you to judge me if I choose to judge? Who's the hypocrite? The one who's judging the church for being too judgmental? <laughs> the truth is, this verse doesn't say what people think it says because they've taken it out of its context. They've picked up those few words and they've pulled it all the way out of the paragraph that it's in. Not to mention pulling it all the way out of the entire text, the entire passage. What is the passage? If it's in Matthew 5, 6, or 7, what are we reading? Sermon on the Mount. You can't take six or seven words out of the paragraph, much less out of the whole sermon, and think that you can apply it correctly. We have to look at it in the context in which Jesus said it. And when we look at it in the way Jesus actually said it, we are freed up to discover what the Bible actually says about judging. So let me help us with this this morning. As we look at what the Bible actually teaches, we learn, we learn that we, we want to do three things. First, we want to use good judgment without being judgmental. You hear the important distinction. Use good judgment without being judgmental. You see, the word judge 
has a wide range of meanings, doesn't it? We use that word to, to, to mean you get to pick which barbecue tastes best at the cook-off. That's how we use the word judge. Go judge the barbecue cook-off. We use the very same word to describe what the legal professional does in the courtroom. We use the, the very same word to, to mean discernment, just figuring out what's real and what's true. We, we use the, the same word to talk about having a judgmental or critical spirit. We use the same word even to describe condemning. All right, let's, let's agree that the word judge has more than one meaning based on its usage, its context. And that's the problem here. Jesus is using a word, a specific Greek word, that means to condemn. It, it carries with it the, the idea of, um, of sentencing someone. That's the word Jesus uses. You can't take that statement then and use it in the sense of having good judgment or discerning right from wrong or true from false. That's not the word he used. That's not the way he used it. What he said was, you don't want to put yourself in a position where you see yourself here and the other there and you condemn them. All right, you pass sentence on them. Why not? Because in the vernacular of the 70s, what goes around comes around. Because if you choose to put yourself in that position of condemnation, then the only one who actually deserves that position will remind you that you're in the wrong position. And so he says, judge not lest you be judged. Condemn not. Sentence not. It is very helpful when we, when we interpret Scripture with Scripture. And in Luke, there is a parallel passage where Luke records the, the same teaching. He, just, he, he records it in a slightly different style. And so if we look at Luke chapter 6, we get a better sense, I think, of understanding what Jesus said in Matthew 7.1. In Luke 6, it's recorded in this way. Do not judge and you will not be judged. And do not condemn, you will not be condemned. Instead, pardon and you will be pardoned. You see, the context is passing that final judgment, that condemnation, that sentence where somebody crosses you, somebody does something wrong, and they are on your list from now on, and they're done. And Jesus says, you better hope the Father doesn't decide that about you. Instead, the Father pardons you. He gives you grace. Therefore, if you want to be like the Father, then you pardon and you give grace. In other words, we use good judgment without being judgmental. 
Now, if we go back to our original text in Matthew 7, I think it's helpful if we continue to read in the paragraph in which Jesus spoke. So I'm back in Matthew 7, beginning at verse 1. Do not judge, lest you be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. What goes around comes around. If you abuse the position, if you abuse the, the necessity of having good judgment, then the Lord is going to work things out in a way that will remind you that that's not your job. Does that make sense? That's verse 2. But notice that he is assuming in verse 2 that there will be some judgment. There will be a standard of measure. And then look at verses 3, 4, and 5. And why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? That's where folks like to stop when they read this text. You have a log in your eye, so who are you to tell me about the speck in my eye? But guess what? That's not where Jesus stopped. Because Jesus went on to verse 5. You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye. Absolutely. That makes sense, doesn't it? Why do I take the log out of my own eye? Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. You see, the goal is still to help the brother get the speck out. It's not to ignore the speck. It's not to say, I can't judge you for having a speck. It's to say, I got to get right so the, the Lord can use me, work through me as a clean vessel so that I can help you with that speck in your eye because I love you too much to let you go through life with a speck in your eye. You see, being, having good judgment without being judgmental is basically about love. I love you enough that I won't let you stay in the sin or in the mistake or in the, the failure or in the, the misunderstanding. I love you too much to let you stay out of anything more than abundance and truth and reality and forgiveness. I love you so much. I am going to use good judgment and say, brother or sister, you can do better. Let me help you. It's not completely true to say that Christians shouldn't judge. We have to judge. We judge right from wrong. We judge true from false. But we do it in a way that is not judgmental, condemning, or sentencing. We do it because we love. Our motivation is love, and our purpose 
is healing. I hope you heard that. There's no way we can avoid making judgments. And we're not supposed to avoid making judgments. But our motivation is love. And our purpose is healing. John chapter 7 says it so beautifully. And this is the response to those who misuse Matthew chapter 7. The response is John chapter 7, 24. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. You see, it's not completely true to say Christians shouldn't judge because Jesus told us, judge. But do so with righteous judgment. Be, use good judgment without being judgmental. And if we're going to accomplish that, we have to be careful with it, don't we? That's the second thing that we can learn from Scripture, and that is to judge carefully. To judge carefully. Last night I saw on the news that people all over the world are outraged at the priests who have abused young people. Is that outrage justified? You bet it is. You bet it is. That outrage is right. But you can't say those priests are wrong if you honestly believe we're not supposed to judge each other. You see, having good judgment and using the right motives allows us to stand and say, something's wrong. I say they are wrong because I understand that we have to judge one another's behavior, but we must do so carefully. Continue in our text. Look at verse 6. Do not give what is holy to dogs. Do not throw your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. He says, don't take the good things and give it to the wrong people. The wrong, the, the, don't take the good and give it to those who won't understand it, who will abuse it. How do I know who the dogs are if I don't use judgment? How do I know where the swine are if I refuse to judge the difference between a, a swine and a cat. Is there a swine? Is that a pig and a cat? If I'm not willing to use judgment, how can I live out verse number 6? You see verse number 15 now. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Use judgment Judge what you're hearing them say. Judge their character. Judge who they are. Decide, is this the real deal or is this a wolf in sheep's clothing? If you think you are so holy that you refuse to judge anybody, you're going to be taken by the false prophets. So yes, we are to judge. You will know them, verse 16, you will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? 
Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, and the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Well, how do you know which tree to cut down? You cut down the one that doesn't bear good fruit. You judge the fruit, thereby judging the tree. How do you know if a prophet is the real deal or a false prophet? Look at the fruit. What are the results of the ministry? Do you experience the gifts of the Spirit as he, as he or she teaches and, and leads and guides, whatever? All right? You are judging. You must judge. It's the only way that we can live out what he tells us to do. Verse 20, so then you will know them by their fruits. In their letters, Paul and John both talk about how important it is to test the spirits, to avoid following false prophets. How do you do that without judgment? The New Testament requires us to practice church discipline when people are doing things that are harmful to the church or the cause of Christ. Some of the worst times in my ministry have been when we had to practice church discipline. Fortunately, it hasn't happened that often, but every time I've had to deal with some kind of disciplinary process, every time there has been someone in the church who says, hey, we can't judge. But the Bible says the church must judge if the behavior of one of the brothers and sisters is causing problems in the body of Christ, if it's hurting the kingdom, the church must participate in a disciplinary process. Now, let me chase another rabbit real quick. Because I sometimes hear folks say, why don't we practice church discipline anymore? What they mean is, how come we don't kick anybody out of church anymore? But if you look at scripture and read it carefully, Church discipline is a process that begins in private one-on-one. -on -one. And then if necessary, we bring in two. And then if necessary, we go to the spiritual leaders of the church. And then if necessary, we bring it to the body. Folks, I, I wish I could tell you we never have to practice church discipline. That's not true. But the reality is... Almost every time we're able to handle it in private, which is the biblical way to do it. So that's why you don't ever get to vote on kicking somebody out because we don't ever get to that place because we handle it the way Bible told us to handle it. Does that make sense? But the only way we can do that is if we use biblical judgment. And that brings me to the last thing. This won't take us long. But the last thing we learn as we look at what Scripture actually teaches about judging, we learn that we are to judge in the right way and for the right reasons. It's not completely true to say Christians shouldn't judge. But it is biblically true to say that we should judge in the right way for the right reasons. So how do we do that? Let me give you a quick list. First, judge in the way you want to be judged. You remember when we were with the kids? 
it's hard to know how to be a good friend. It's hard to know the right thing to do. How do you do that? Well, the golden rule says you do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Guess what? We never outgrow that children's sermon. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. That wasn't Jesus' children's sermon. That was, again, the Sermon on the Mount for the kingdom believers. So do you judge? You have to judge. You will judge. It's part of who we are, and it's important. But how you judge, not one looking down their nose and pointing down, condemning at someone else, but one who says, man, because I care about you, we got to be real about this thing, and we got to work it out. That's the way I want you to judge me. Do I want you to judge me? Yes. I don't want you to condemn me. That's not your job. But do I want you to judge me? Yes. I want you to listen to the things I teach and then you'd look at the Bible and you decide, is that real? I want you to love me enough that when you see I'm headed in the wrong direction in my life, that you'll love me enough to say, brother, let's sit down and talk. There's, there's something we need to get worked out I want you to judge me that way therefore I'm going to judge you that way the second thing that we need to learn is to deal with your own stuff first judge in the right way for the right reasons judge the way you want to be judged and deal with your own stuff first Jesus did say take the log out of your eye he did you take the log out of your eye first. Then you'll be able to see more clearly. In other words, when you get your stuff figured out with God, when you get right with God, the Holy Spirit is going to be in charge again. You will be living the way God wants you to live. And the Holy Spirit brings wisdom so you can see more clearly to help me with my problem. So yeah, take care of your stuff first. Get the log out of your eye. Get right with God. Pray it through. Trust Him. And then help me get the speck out of my eye. Three, make sure your judgments match God's. Make sure your judgments match God's. Somebody says, yeah, I'm committing adultery but you can't tell me anything about that because you can't judge me. Guess what? I'm not the one that made the rule about adultery. I'm not the one telling you. I'm not the one deciding you're wrong. God decided that. All I'm doing is making sure you know what God said. So you can't say I can do whatever I want to do and you can't tell me no. If, if my judgments match God's. Now, by the same token, I can't say and mean it. I can't say if you support that weird liberal orange school in Austin, there's something wrong with you. I can't say that and mean it. Why? Because that's not God's judgment. That's my judgment. Now, there is something weird with you, but that's all right. That's my judgment. That's, that's on me. That's on me. You see my point? 
We have to be really careful because what we do a lot of times is, is we, we expect others to live up to our guidelines. And we need to make sure that our guidelines match God's guidelines if we're really doing it for the right reasons. Number four, base your judgments on the people involved. Base your judgments on the people involved. It's really pretty simple. Don't judge non-Christians by Christian standards. There are certain things that non-Christians cannot understand and do not have the power to accomplish because they do not have the power of the Holy Spirit within them. So we can't hold non-Christians to Christian standards. Another way of thinking about this, uh, base your judgments on the people involved. Another, another way of thinking about this is spiritual leaders. When you judge spiritual leaders, judge them to evaluate the fruit and to protect people from wolves in sheep clothing. You judge spiritual leaders a little bit differently than you judge your wife or your kid. So you're judging, you're basing your judgments on the people involved. When you're, when you're thinking about spiritual leaders, you're going to judge them in terms of evaluating their fruits and protecting people from false prophets or wolves in sheep clothing. And one more example. When we judge one another, we judge fellow Christians in order to discern the truth and restore those who have strayed. Don't leave here without, without catching that part. You don't get to judge the person next to you because you're better than the person next to you. You judge the person next to you because you love them and you want to restore them to the life that God intended for them. If you are not using that judgment for the purpose of restoration, then set it aside for now because you're not in the right place yet. 